Hey everyone, you're listening to Something Real, and on today's Something to Talk About episode, we're sticking with the idea of humility and humbling ourselves in in front of God, and really recognizing that He is the one with all the power, and He is the one that matters. Uh, It doesn't matter who we are, what our accolades are, or even the good things that we do. Uh, It's about humbling ourselves, and Rich and I talk about that throughout this episode, so enjoy. Well, here we are back uh, live and in person on the mic instead of uh, over the telephone. Ambient dog sounds in the background. Yeah, I don't know what the signal glitches were that we had. I don't know if it's because I was at the church on my phone, so I was losing signal. We were just talking about how technology is horrible. So (laughs) it's it's wonderful until it's horrible. When it works, it's great, and when it's not, it's a nightmare. But so let's hope this this works for the time being. <laughs> right, it should be better. So today we're moving into uh, a discussion of Luke chapter 7. We've been um, moving through the teachings of Jesus in Luke 6 as he um, delivers this sermon, the first actual sermon that Luke records for us. And now Luke goes back into his actions. It's, it's not an accident. It's a pretty deliberate thing that we see from Luke that there's a, a back and forth, a constant blending of Christ's teachings and also his his ministry, his actions, his doings. And uh, if you're going to establish a foundation, which is what Luke is trying to do, if you're going to establish a foundation for what we believe and why we believe it, seeing the teachings and actions of Jesus working together is, that's a a logical place to go. It's, that's the right foundation, good place to start. Would you say a firm foundation? It, I would. I would say it's <laughs> would a firm you, foundation. Would you go so far as to yeah. say that? You saints of the Lord. <laughs> and it's laid for our faith here in His excellent word. So it's, it's copyright infringement. We're tiptoeing around that. Is that public domain? I don't know. So, anyway, now in Luke 7, we're transitioning from Jesus teaching about you know loving those who don't deserve love forgiving those who don't deserve forgiveness this is how we look like Christ if we want to if we want to look like our father in heaven then we need to think and act and have a heart like our father in heaven and <laughs> and now we go into this story of of the Roman centurion whose servant needs healing and he sends Jew uh, Jewish elders to go and and find Jesus and bring him back and they approach Jesus with this whole idea of hey the centurion really deserves your attention uh, and I find that to be very striking in contrast with what Jesus has just taught being just the opposite of that right they're they're saying he needs he deserves your attention based on who he is and his love for Israel and right yeah and all that yeah basically he's he's done stuff right. for us <laughs> And for, you know, by extension, for God, if he's doing it for God's people, he's doing it for God, he's taking care of us. Therefore, it's kind of like they're saying, you know, he's, you owe him. You know, right. he's, he's earned this favor from God, which is contrary to the whole concept of grace. And that's what we've been seeing in Jesus' actions in the first several chapters of Luke. He's going to the outcast. He's going to the downtrodden. Uh, those who, But Jesus goes here. He goes to. He the does, man. you know, and and you know, I, I kind of wrestle. I got. I haven't, you know, gone back to the uh, to the Greek to look at why it's rendered so here, but when I hear so, I'm thinking because of their logic, he's going back. Right. 
that doesn't seem to be what's happening here. It doesn't seem to be that Jesus is persuaded by their, you know, <laughs> their solid argument that, oh, right. wow, you know, I guess I really better go. This guy really deserves it. That appears contrary to everything else that he right. teaches and does. Um, but he clearly goes for a purpose. He always is going for a purpose. So when Jesus goes to this centurion to to heal the servant, um, something is about to happen. Mm-hmm. So he gets there and he's close to the house and, and the centurion uh, doesn't even come out himself. He sends a servant to say, I don't deserve you to even come under my roof, but I know how things work. I command people and because of my authority, they do what I tell them to do. I say it and it's done. And I recognize your authority over everything. And we've seen that in previous chapters, that, that Christ has authority over both the physical and spiritual realms. And in, in this chapter, we see sort of a reflection of that moving forward. And this Gentile, not even among God's people, he's an outsider himself. And while they're talking about how much he deserves it because he's earned it, He's saying, whoa, 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 I'm only calling on your mercy and compassion. I'm looking at who you are, your your character uh, that I've heard so much about. I've heard about these mighty deeds, and maybe he's gone and seen. I don't know. We're not told that, but, you know, everybody's aware of who Jesus is at this point. You know, Mm -hmm. he's, he's big. And so the centurion is like, you, you don't need to come to my house. I'm not worthy of you. But because you are the commander of everything, you're the king of all kings, you're able to just say it. Just give the command and my servant will be healed. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is kind of blown away by that. Um, Interestingly, I I don't, my personal take is I don't think he was surprised by it. So it's not that sort of amazement, but he's amazed because here from this outsider, from one who's not a Jew, who was not raised, you know, in uh, in the family of God to understand who God is, he gets it better than those who are on the inside, better than the religious folks who have spent their whole lives learning about and God. And perhaps that's what we're supposed to deduce from this. Like, that's why he goes in the first place. That seems to be a very clear lesson. center of the story, doesn't it? I mean, when you look at it, this isn't about the healing. We don't even right. get a word from the servant. Right. We, we already know that, not that yet, he can do that. Not new. And so, you know, yes, he heals the servant. So what is it that we're supposed to be seeing that, that Luke is conveying in this? And clearly at the center of it is the dynamic between Jesus and the centurion. Mm-hmm. And I find it interesting that he chose to send Jewish elders to go get Jesus. He doesn't send his own servants. Right. He sends somebody from the family of God to go to the prophet of God to say, look, I, I know that I need help. You know, my servant is, is going to die if you don't do something about it. So those who should know God are stuck in this performance-based idea that, you know, it's sort of a quid pro quo. I'm going to scratch your back, you scratch mine. Because we deserve so much, come and and take care of this. And the the outsider is humble and says, heck no, you you don't belong here. I'm a sinful person, and you don't belong in my house. You're too holy, too great, too wonderful. Which is where the people of God should have been from the beginning. We should have been there straight along. We missed the boat. The centurion, this Roman from a pagan culture, he gets it. But he doesn't, you know, it's not like he's, 
you know, thinking bad of himself. You know, I think that's one of the, th- yeah. the things that we miss on humility is this idea that, well, I should debase myself all the time. I, you know, I'm just going to be a mouse. I'm just going to be a doormat. That's not him at all. He recognizes completely who he is. You can't be a commander of a right. hundred soldiers and go out here and, and, you know, just be weak and soft. He knows that he's the boss. He knows that he's in charge. And he understands that his word carries weight. And he has the power to back it up. That's what makes it even authority. more impactful for him to say this to Jesus. Absolutely. So he, he <clears throat> sees that. But however powerful he might recognize himself to be, the humility comes not in thinking less of himself, but in thinking of himself less. Right. I recognize you're, I might be this, but you're so far beyond me. Right. And it doesn't take away who I am. Absolutely. But it's who you are that matters. But you're God. Right. And I'm not. <laughs> so. <laughs> so you don't need to even come into my house. Right. And, and if these soldiers and servants do what I say at my command, how much more so the king of the universe who's, who is in charge of everything, when you command physical, spiritual things to happen, they happen. Right. So just say the word. And Jesus is like, okay, this is, this is what we've been looking for. He's marveling that, as he said, I haven't found faith like this in all of Israel. Even in Israel, I'm not seeing this. From the people who have spent centuries, millennia, following God, being the people of God, being the ones, the conduit through which God reveals himself to the world. And yet you're still thinking about this performance-based religious relationship that we have. And this outsider, uh, he gets it. He's humbled himself. And, you know, it reminds me uh, of, you know, James's words and, 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 you know, it's a constant uh, theme. We see it throughout the scriptures, uh, specifically in Proverbs, specifically in the prophets, specifically in James, that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Pride is always something that puts us in opposition of God. When we think we're better than we are, when we think we're something, uh, and we, or we think less of God in, in that scale, we're going to bring him down to our level as if God owes us anything then we've totally missed it. This centurion gets it. You don't owe me. You don't owe me nothing, you know, to borrow from an old Steve Taylor song from the 80s. You owe me nothing. There is nothing that I can appeal to. I can't come and say, oh, I've offered you so much, therefore do this for me. Um, There's no sense of entitlement at all. You know, I remember so many times hearing children say to their parents, once or twice my own children saying to me not more than that uh you know well you owe me this right i owe you nothing i'm your parent you're my child there's a reason you are called a dependent you have life from me i've given you life you're good (laughs) everything else is is a wash here and the things that i do for you i do because i love you but don't start demanding or we're going to have a change in our in our fellowship here real quick and this centurion gets that. He understands it. That humility and faith go together. I, I don't think, as we, as we look at the biblical picture of faith, which is really just trust, mm-hmm. I don't think it's possible for us to have faith, saving faith, a trust in God that matters, that moves us forward without humility. Because to trust in God 
as the writer of Hebrews says, we must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, not of those who do things for him, but he he rewards our seeking what as we pursue. What could we do for him? What could, <laughs> we, do? What, what could we do for him? Right. So <clears throat> if we recognize who God is and his character, his authority, his power, then that's reason for our faith. Knowing God is essentially, that that's the nature of it. It's, not, it's really not more mystical than that. When I recognize that my dad is the biggest and he's on my side, that's faith, mm-hmm. and I can rely on that. But I, when I recognize who he is and I recognize that my dad is the biggest, then I don't get chesty with daddy. You know, I'm, I'm not going to get to where I start to think how dad owes me. And the better I recognize my sinfulness before a holy God, the more humble I become. So then my humility is what drives the faith. It's what informs that faith. And the faith, understanding who God is and who I am, is that's the foundation for the humility. If I really understand him and I really understand me, that right thinking, as Paul would say, thinking of yourself with sober judgment, that prevents any kind of haughtiness or arrogance or pride. Right. And what I've you know found personally is if you don't want to surrender to that, eventually God's going to do it for you. Amen. <laughs> and that's exactly how it works. He does that with Israel He's throughout the history. You down a over and over again. We, the better you think you are, right. the more I'm going to have to remind you of who you really are. Right. And it's not it's not more than that. It's right. not like God is, you know, going to make you lower than you are. He's just going to remind you of the reality. Right. Don't don't get caught up in your own press. Because it's very easy to get caught up in for your own sure. press. For <laughs> sure. Look at the Apostle Paul when, when, when he was a zealous Pharisee for Christ, or for against Christ, for God. Uh, he believed that he was doing God's will, but he was pretty full of his own thoughts. Right. He was climbing the ladder, and, and as he recounts his own life in his letters, we see almost this regret, this remorse for his own pride. And now he looks at it and it's like, man, now that I get it, that's all garbage. That's right. rubbish. And God brought him low, struck him blind when he was first converted, reminded him of who he was. When we see uh, King Saul starts to get full of himself, God brings him low. When David starts to get full of himself, God brings him low. My favorite picture of that is uh, King Nebuchadnezzar when uh, when the Babylonians... Uh, Take over and my favorite name in the Bible, Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> or if you're in Veggie Tales, Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the brilliance of Phil Vischer. So, as you look at that story, here's here's the most powerful king on the planet. Nobody has more power than this great Babylonian warlord king. And when he begins to exalt himself against God, God only puts up with it for so long. Right. And then, like with a breath, it's not like God puts out some great effort and says, right. okay, we're going to, we're going to have it out. He's just like, it's just like, you know, it's like Thanos snapping his fingers kind of, no, I don't it's... watch Marvel. <laughs> it's, it's actually not even that much effort. It's, you know, it's just God decides here's how it's going to be. And that's how it is. And so now Nebuchadnezzar suddenly is, has lost his mind. He lets his hair and nails grow out like an animal. He's drooling on himself, eating grass like an animal. The great king humbled before God and then God over after a time of humility restores him and Nebuchadnezzar then clear-mindedly says okay I recognize there's one God right there's only one that's huge what a picture of humility and I think that is such a central idea 
to our faith. I can't have faith if I think more of myself than I ought or less of God than I ought. And when I begin to get in line with reality, then all of the trusting God falls into place. As long as my thoughts are aligned with truth, then my feelings align with reality. And and the more that the more of that I have in my life, that's really what faith is, is, is being able to trust God, to be sure of what we hope for, certain of what we don't yet see. That's basically simply just aligning our thoughts with reality. This centurion gets that. He's aligned with reality. Therefore, Jesus is marveling at his faith. And the next story is Jesus having compassion on this widow. It, it, it's a more of a picture of who Christ is again. Not, not so much that he raises her dead son. That's big for us, small for Jesus. Right. But it tells us about his heart. He has compassion on her as her right. only son has died. Uh, and so in these combined stories in Luke 7, we see the character of God in Christ, the authority of God in Christ, and the power to back that up of God in Christ. And I think a clear picture of what what really matters as far as what we're supposed to Absolutely. do and how yeah. we're supposed to be. Because, you know, even today it's so easy to think, oh, I go to church every week, I, I put money in the offering every week, or whatever. Right. but we get blinded by those things in particular. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. And like you said earlier, it's it's... It's, it kind of becomes performance-based without even really realizing it sometimes. Right. You know, you're just going through the motions. And, we check the boxes. Right. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing to do those things, but it's so easy in doing that routine to lose sight of what really matters. Right. And, you know, somebody walking down the street who's, you know, not in a seat on church here on Sunday might get it better than, than, than somebody, you know? Yeah, that's right. And so I think it's important for us to understand that, you know, it's it's sometimes hits me that we that Christians call people outsiders hmm. because it says, you know, in this story in particular, it's doesn't matter if you're an outsider if you if you're you know the only inside and outside is is whether or not you have trusted in him right and everything else all of the other things constructs yeah it really doesn't it doesn't apply and that's where all this discord comes from and that's not the teaching of jesus either like you know we have all these discord because you have this title and you have this title and you're an outsider and blah 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 blah. and it's all just a bunch of junk that doesn't even matter right do you belong to him or do you not right that's that's the only question really that, that it comes down to. Right. Your mom and I were talking last night about. Uh, She's not going to listen to this, so you can talk about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 about a story that Neil Anderson shares in his tremendous book, uh, Victory Over the Darkness. And <clears throat> as uh, we were looking at it, it's a story of a, a young man um, that uh, Dr. Anderson encountered uh, at uh, Talbot uh, when he was a professor there, I guess. And this uh, young man got involved in the missions program, became a missionary. But the reason he became a missionary was because he was, uh, you know, trying to please a demanding father. He had that relationship with his father. He saw God that way. And so he was doing this out of a performance-based mentality, much like these Jewish leaders that are Mm -hmm. coming to Jesus. If I do this, then God will be pleased with me. And if I don't do this, then God will be displeased with me. And when he began to understand what it meant to be in Christ, who he is in Christ, to be completely loved and accepted, not based on your merits, but based on the work of Christ, 
it freed him from that. And he left the mission field and he, he, he stopped uh, with his missionary work, stopped majoring in missions, switched his, his major to practical theology, and then focused on that and developed this understanding. Well, about a year or so later, he comes back, changes his major again, back to missions. But now doing it not because I'm trying to live up to the to right. these expectations of a demanding father, but because I know him and I love him and I want to share him. So the same result with a different motive uh, reflected his heart differently. His understanding of himself, his understanding of God, there was a humility that comes out of that and a freedom that comes out of that. And when we really see Christ and Christianity in our lives at work, that that vibrant celebratory freedom that should be the norm for us that sounds contradictory to us humility and freedom yeah because we think if i have to humble myself then i'm somehow boxed in i'm not i'm not i don't get to puff myself up or whatever and it's not necessarily that it's the opposite of that it's it's not i don't know if we talked about this in the podcast or not um it's not thinking less of yourself right you know it's 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 not thinking you're less of who you are. Right. It's knowing that God is more. Right. Taking the focus off of me. Right. It's not about me one way or another. And, uh, and James t- McDonald was talking about that quite a bit in, in one of his sermon series uh, that I think broadcast recently. <clears throat> so if anybody wants to check out a really good podcast, you can check out Walk in the Word uh, uh, on there. So you get plugs for other people all the time on this podcast. <laughs> not sponsored. But, but as... Uh, you know, as he's talking about it, it's the, 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 we focus on self-esteem. And it's not about getting more self-esteem. And it's not really about low self-esteem. Right. It's about not esteeming yourself at all. Right. I'm out of the equation. It's about Gosh, christ I imagine how much easier life would be if we didn't worry about it. Absolutely. So we're trying to, to pump up the, the self-esteem of students. Right. I know you're thinking pump up the volume as soon as I said that. Pump up the jam. <laughs> so as, as soon I was as actually thinking of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Hans and Franz. Hans and Franz. I <laughs> too well. So we, we can't get through a podcast without us going It was cutting close, really, but we got it. Really dated uh, pop culture references. So as we see all of this this idea, we keep trying to, to increase self-esteem. We're going to make better students by pumping up their self-esteem. We're going to... Uh, raise better kids if we make them feel better about themselves. And we've been doing everyone that gets, now. For, everyone gets a blue ribbon. Right. We've been doing that for 34 years now. Right. And the effect has been a bunch of people with entitlement who still are just as messed up or more messed up than they were before. Right. So the biblical picture of removing the whole concept of self-esteem, not thinking of myself less, but thinking less of myself. And not, I mean, the opposite, not thinking less of myself, but thinking of myself less. Right. So, Willy Wonka, strike that, reverse it. Um, and, and the more we reflect Christ in that, the better everything functions because that's how God designed reality. So we see that in the, in the letters of Paul, who has accomplished so much. And he's not saying, you know, when he says, I'm the chief of sinners and different things that he says, I'm the least of all apostles, it's not, he's not putting himself down. He's recognizing what reality is. This isn't even about me. This is about Christ. Only Christ. Nothing else matters. Therefore, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. I get to go be with him face to face. Nothing else matters. This centurion has more of that picture. And that's what, that's what makes this whole thing come together. And so for us, 
we need to recognize that that we don't have faith without humility and we don't have humility without faith in a in a workable sense to be able to put this stuff together they go hand in hand humble yourself before you fumble yourself nice i'm gonna stop right there all right (laughs) we'll see you guys next time